It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. And I do welcome you again to another Estate Planning Essentials program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio, and we are demonstrably, aggressively supporting this program and doing all that we can to protect your assets, your family, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host and my attorney. His name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. Happy New Year Happy to New you. Happy New Year to you, too. I'm grateful for another day for this program to teach and and to basically counsel the audience as to what to do when it comes to estate planning and government assistance. And last week, it was complicated. It's a Secure Act, and um, there's a lot going on there, and we couldn't even barely scratch the surface. Um, and so today, we want to change tides a little bit, change, turn the corner, and talk about something a little more 101, since that was like 801, <laughs> and talk about the basics of wills and trusts, because... I was taught by my father, I was telling you before the show, I've got all these attorneys that are my buddies. Four of my five buddies are all attorneys. It's really quite funny. And uh, my father is an attorney. I'm not an attorney. And, but I was taught early on. I don't even know if it was taught by them, but I think it was by my father. Challenge the assumptions. CTA, what's the call to action for this program? Attend Michael's next workshop. What's the call to action in a commercial? Call this client or go to their place of business. What's the CTA here? Challenge the assumption. And so today we want to challenge the assumptions because a lot of times, Michael, I think, having learned from you, people, oh, I know what a will is, I know what a trust is, and I know when I need one or the other, and I don't need either one of them so I don't have any money. And you've, the last 10 years, basically, have tried to convince me and the listeners that not all of, of what it seems to be is actually true. First of all, last week's show, which was right after the New Year, um, was really kind of complicated on the SECURE Act, which is dealing with um, retirement accounts and encouraging people to save for retirement. So uh, if you missed that show, uh, any one of our shows or on all of our shows are, are, are have podcasts that you could get on my website if you're interested. So the But this week, we're going to get a little bit more basic and uh, because one of the more common things that people ask are, do I need a will or do I need a trust? Is trust only for the wealthy, uh, or what's the story? And so I thought that we should kind of go over, because this, uh, this is a common question. First people, most people know what a will is. Not everybody knows what a trust is, and there's all sorts of different types of trust. But most people think of a revocable living trust, which is a trust that you could always revoke or amend. Uh, and so a lot of people have wills and a lot of people have trust. And so we thought, well, what are the advantages of a will and what are the advantages of a trust? What I like about this program is that it takes us back to the basics. And you've been doing this show with me for over 10 years now. And every program, I walk away saying to myself, hmm, 
I didn't know that, or I forgot that, or that changed. And I think that's what's going to happen today with most of our listeners. Well, maybe. I hope so. Mm -hmm. I hope you, you know, just like on our workshops that we do, we say we think you're going to learn something. You're going to see that the time flies by and that you have a little fun along the way. Here, I think, I hope that at least you're going to learn something. And, you know, a lot of people have these misconceptions about will versus a trust. And so I thought I'd go over what at least some of the questions that I ask to determine whether it because there's not a right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, some attorneys say, oh, just always do a will. Some people say, always do a trust. And I say, well, let's, it depends. Right. So uh, one of the reasons why a lot of people, a lot of uh, attorneys say, uh, just do a will is because, first of all, it's less expensive to do a will than to do a trust. With mm -hmm. a trust, you got to fund the trust. There's some different uh, expenses. It's more uh, costly to do a trust than it is to do a will. Mm -hmm. uh, and in Texas, the probate process is generally not that difficult. Mm -hmm. So if you go and, and there's generally not as much a time delay as, a, let's say, a state like California, where it may take a couple years to probate a will. Now, it could be that way here, too, but it, it depends on the circumstances. But, uh, you know, it's generally a simpler process than it is in other states. The mental exercise I would think people go through is that, okay, well, I've got to have a will, got to have something. So I'll go to LegalZoom or some other site online with all the respect to LegalZoom, and I'll do the basics so then I have a will and I can feel good about it and I can check that box off, bucket list done, everybody's you know semi taken care of if not completely when I die and life is good. Well, you know, I, I'd rather somebody have a will even if it was something like that, uh, but I don't recommend that right. uh, just because I'd rather have something rather than nothing, but a lot of times when we see these forms online, they're quite frankly uh, a lot to a couple different issues. A, they don't cover things that people don't think about, mm -hmm. and B, they may not have the laws of the state of Texas. Right. So, in other words, um, you know, in Texas, uh, so often you'll see a will from another state that says, I choose so-and-so as my executor, or my personal representative, something like that, and they leave it at that. Well, in Texas, to ha let's say you wanted to sell real estate. Uh, if you don't say that you're independent and as an independent executor uh, with the power to sell, then the title company may make you go back to court mm -hmm. to get the authority to sell. So if you use one of those forms and it didn't give that, say that the court, that the executor is independent of court supervision, then you may have a problem. Or we see that there's issues about the witnesses or the what's called a self-proving affidavit. Uh, in other words, it doesn't have the language that Texas has. So there's different things that uh, Texas, every state's laws are different on everything, mm -hmm. um, whether it be a will or a living will, which is the pull-the-plug instrument, or medical powers attorney, sometimes called health care proxies in other states, health care uh, pow powers of attorney in other states, financial powers of attorney. Every state is different. So if somebody moves from state to state, they probably should check with the attorney in the state that they've moved to to make sure that that is okay under the laws of the state that they've moved to. Um, now, trusts are generally recognized, by the way, from state to state. However, the laws, I just had somebody in my office this week that they had moved from Florida, and I said, well, 
you know, this makes reference to all the Florida laws. We need to change this and we need to change this. For example, on the trust in, um, in Texas, if you have a homestead, uh, to have the continue to have the homestead exempt status, you have to use certain language. Oh, this this section you know qualifies under Section eleven thirteen of the Texas Property Tax Act, uh, and that this you have the right to use and occupy without charge the home. Language something to that effect. And if you don't have that, you lose your exemption for property taxes. So again, the laws of each state are different. Mm -hmm. So if somebody moves, whether they have a will or a trust for that matter, uh, they should probably check with the attorney in the state that they moved to. Got it. I have um, my uh, one of the starting five attorneys that I mentioned, a friend's father, that kind of thing, went to court because that person was getting divorced and he had a prenuptial, and the judge looked at it and said this doesn't apply and I think it was a state issue and he threw it in the trash and it had to start all over from the beginning. Yeah, wow. So here is this associate of mine planning on this holding water working and that so this is what uh, everyone can hang their hat on to move forward. So there's no preparation for anything else and then when a judge throws it away, not only are you mentally not prepared for the next round or plan B, you're emotional probably. You're frustrated on top of the fact that everything you've done over the five or 10 years to set up for that situation is down the drain. Yeah, so you know that's why people should review their plans from time to time, um, especially in life cycle events, whether it's a, a divorce mm -hmm. or maybe sometimes when people get married or people uh, have maybe Look at things if there's a new grandchild, uh, perhaps uh, if there's a health issue. Mm. Uh, the problem is a lot of times people always think about what happens uh, at death, and they don't think about what happens during life. Mm. And quite frankly, uh, it's often more important to think about what things happen during life. Uh, the Just as we'll, you know, in capacity situations, it's more important to the level of capacity, the the greater it's more important to be able to take care of you the higher level of capacity is needed for you to take care of yourself during mm -hmm. life than when a death and we'll probably do a show on capacity in a couple of weeks but uh, the level of capacity for making a gift or signing a contract is actually higher than that of doing a will you know it's funny um, as you were talking you made me think when you talk about life insurance it probably should be called death insurance and then what you offer should be life insurance because you're insuring what these people's what these people want while they're alive and then it, after they pass away. Yeah, that's why one one of the advantages of a trust is it's kind of like disability insurance because you avoid guardianship if your assets at least as guardianship of the estate if your assets are in a trust, if you let's say you're the trustee of your own trust, mm -hmm. uh, which typically is the case, when you have a revocable living trust, usually the client, they're the one who sets up the trust. They're usually the trustee of the trust, and they're the beneficiary until they die. So if the assets are in the trust and you become disabled, you don't you could avoid 
guardianship, at least as far as the assets in the trust. Whereas if you have a will, it only takes place when you die. Mm. So it becomes then it becomes more important to have a financial power of attorney. However, not all financial powers of attorney, first of all, are recognized by everybody. Some of the different financial institutions like their own stuff. And second of all, when does it become effective? And third of all, does it cover all the different things that are needed? Quite often, especially in the uh, in the public benefits world, uh, often attorneys have like stat- use statutory language, but we want we as an elder law attorneys, I guess I should say, we want to have additional authority to do different things to be able to get public benefits. Whether it's like the ability to create trust, the ability to do different transfer planning different types of things that a standard power of attorney, so there's not just one power of attorney in the world, just like there's not one will in the world, just like there's not one trust in the world, you have to look at the individual situation and think about what is it that the person needs. So if you have a will, are you thinking about disability? No, you're thinking about what happens when you die. If you have a trust, well, it does cover disability, but then you also have to see, or at least I always ask, well, do you have long-term care insurance? Because if you don't have long-term care insurance, then we might do a different type of trust, which is not the topic today, but I just wanted to let you know that every situation is different. And so if you don't ask the questions and find out what the actual story is of that particular person, that's why everybody's plan is different. I understand. And You've even said over the over the years too. There's what 85 Medicare and Medicaid programs. 109. 109. I lost uh-huh. track. Yeah, they, they've probably grown. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but there's a lot out there, and that's why you need Michael's services and help to make these decisions because he's as informed and current as they come. What else, Michael, on wills and trusts well, you want to share? Yeah. Well, so first of all, we've talked about on a will, it's generally less expensive, but then you have to go through probate. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So just realize that there might be uh, uh, an additional cost later on. So you, do you pay the, I hate to say it this way, do you pay the attorney now or do you pay them later? Uh, but it's like, that's what it sounds like. Um, the, another, sometimes there are situations where it's better to have a will. For example, speaking of public benefits, uh, when you have a spousal situation and one spouse becomes disabled and you don't have long-term care insurance, you in a, only in a will and not in a revocable trust can you name the, the spouse who's the surviving spouse who's disabled as a beneficiary of a special needs trust. Uh, you cannot do that in a revocable trust unless you refer it, say, okay, it goes out of it, this trust is not used, and then it goes by my will. Other than that, uh, the a will is more conducive if you have a spouse who's disabled and you don't have long-term care insurance. Okay. If you have a professional corporation, you know, let's say some doctors or lawyers or CPAs, uh, and they have a professional limited liability company, you cannot put those into a trust. You cannot put those into a trust. So if that's the situation, then you're probably going to need to have a will. If you have a... Um, if you have some stock options, if sometimes people have stock options through a business that's going to be uh, exercised by the individual at some later date, but then they may die then that's going to have to be also through a will and not through a trust. So there's sometimes uh, uh, that it's better to 
have a will. Uh, another situation, usually when we somebody has a child who's a minor, we like to put them in, you know, of course you have a guardianship provision in the will and or an underage trust for that person. So often we prefer a will in those situations as opposed to having a trust. Um, and again, like I said before, in Texas, it's, it's a pretty simplified process for a will. However, there are some advantages to a trust. Okay, and we're going to talk about those in a second. But the biggest advantage that you could take this afternoon and this morning or in the future, hopefully short term, is to attend Michael's next workshop so you can have more of your questions answered that have developed over the months and years or just have developed in the first 15 minutes of this program. The next workshop that Michael holds, which is in person, it's live, uh, it's on a Tuesday, which is January the 24th at 10 o'clock. And Michael, these estate planning essentials workshop are not only valuable, I find them invaluable because I can almost guarantee, like I say, almost every program, you're going to walk out of there knowing something you didn't know when you walked in two hours ago. Yeah, we tell people, in fact, at the beginning of each workshop, we make three promises. Mm-mm. You're going to learn something, Good. that the two hours are going to fly by, mm. and you're going to have some fun along the way. What's the fun part? Well, you'll see, because in, unlike these shows, we make it lighter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Free coffee, free donuts, free KWM coffee mugs. I mean, that's fun and light. Yeah, well, that's true. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, instead of having like a, just a talking head, We'll tell stories. Mm. So when we tell stories, it's it's not just saying, here's the law. Right. Well, we'll talk about here's the law, too. Sure. But we might say to make it a simplified process to uh, understand with kind of a uh, joking-type atmosphere about an illustration of how things work from an estate planning perspective to make it easier to understand. Got it. Makes sense. Uh, and then what else happens at those workshops? Well... You know, we do have a presentation. Mm-hmm. We ask people what they want to know, yeah. and and over those two hours, we answer those questions, along with having a presentation. So you go around the whole room and say, "What would you like to ask?" Oh no, I, we do, we don't want to put anybody on the spot. Uh-huh. We we ask, mm-hmm. "Is there something you want to know?" And then I write down the questions, uh-huh. and during those two hours, I kind of weave it in. Great. Uh, and so every workshop is different because I know I've never know what the questions are going to be. I've been doing the workshops for ten years and. The questions have been different at each workshop. Great. Now, there's some things that are consistent. Sure. So like like today's topic, wills versus trust, is is a very common thing. And so that's why I thought I'd kind of go over a little bit. But we would go over it in more depth uh, if desired. Okay. Uh, and so uh, we kind of tell people what it, it is that they want to know. And anyway, they I, I, it's been very successful in the fact that people want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been doing it for 10 years, and we used to do them uh, once a month, and then got to once every uh, three weeks, and then during the pandemic, it was every couple weeks or so. And so it just got to be a popular thing that people just wanted to know uh, whatever their legal questions are without any obligation. And, and they're free. And they're free. Yeah. yeah right. So And even if you go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, we even give it an additional hour for free. So that's three free hours without any obligation to answer your questions, whether it be about wills or trust or Medicaid or veterans benefits. It could, we never know what the questions are going to be. Some people get more complex and some people keep it real simple, like what's a power of attorney or what's a, you know, a medical power of attorney or mm-hmm. what's, how, what's the difference between a will and a trust? And so those questions are asked 
you know, commonly, mm-hmm. but there'll be other people who ask more complicated things about either tax planning or Medicaid issues and things like that. A lot of times people want to know how they save for either, uh, you know, if they don't have long-term care insurance or somebody's already on Medicaid. They want to know, oh, how do, you know, how do I protect my home? You never know what the questions are going to be, but those are common questions. And that's what's nice about the workshops and the vision meeting. You get to see Michael in action, demonstrating his knowledge and his expertise, because it all starts, in my mind, at least with me and my values, the who. And Michael starts off also with the who, demonstrating what he knows, how intelligent and amenable he is. Uh, And this is the kind of person I think you will want to, after three hours, two hours at the workshop and one hour at the vision meeting, decide he's the right attorney for you. And the way to sign up for those, that workshop, and then the vision meeting after, if you attend the workshop, is to dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, Dallas, as in Dallas, Texas, Elder, E-E-L-D-R, Lawyer.com. The URL or the website address is obvious because Michael is right here in Dallas, so he knows Texas law as well as anybody, and you can go to the website for that, for the podcast, for the newsletter, for lots of things. Yeah, we try to do everything from, you know, everything from 47 things to know when a loved one dies is one of the things on our website to how to choose a nursing home if somebody was, uh, you know, looking for and they've been raided. Mm -hmm. We have all sorts of different things on the, besides some videos as well as our podcast, like you mentioned. Um, And so, yeah, and I, of course, I tell people I'm an elder, elder law. Elder. Yeah, elder, elder law attorney. So, yeah, it's Dallas elderlawyer.com because I'm old. No, uh, no, you're not old, um, but you're very wise and very intelligent and current, thankfully, which I really appreciate. And I know the audience does as well. I, I have a question for you. I love the second part of most programs because I get to sandbag you um, and ask you a question that we never talk about. But what about option C? No will and no trust. Then yeah. what happens? Yeah. You know, the problem is, and a lot of people think that because it, sometimes there's beneficiary designations, let's say even IRA right. or an annuity. I have a beneficiary. Uh, upon, upon death, it goes transfer upon death for Sarah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the only problem, the problem with that is what's going to be the condition of the person that you who gets that? What happens if Sarah predeceased you right. and you hadn't had a will? What happens if Sarah was disabled? And she couldn't take care of things. Does she have planning documents? What happens if Sarah had been sued and he wanted to protect her from lawsuits? Mm -hmm. What if Sarah becomes an addict? Mm -hmm. What if Sarah, uh, you know, so there's all these uh, what ifs Mm -hmm. uh, that could occur. So from a planning perspective, one of the things that you look at is what do you want to protect against? So the beneficiary designation, you know, the the problem is that people often think about what the situation is right now, but from the estate planning attorney's perspective, we have to think about what could be the what could be the problem in the future. Mm-hmm. Do I want to protect? So let's say instead of having it paid on death there, uh, let's say you had a trust. A lot of people don't want to put their assets in a revocable trust because they have to uh, retitle assets into the trust. But what if you said, uh, let's say you had a lot of automatic deposits and withdrawals. He said, oh, that's really a pain. So let's say you make that account, POD to the trust. And then in the trust, you say, well, if Sarah is disabled, 
if Sarah is has credit issues, if Sarah, you know, uh, all the different conditions, it, whatever it is that you want to protect. So it's kind of like insurance. What what do you want to insure against? What if Sarah would get married to somebody, and you wanted the assets to after you died? Um, do you want to protect the assets for somebody else? Uh, so what if you had a beneficiary, let's say there was a child that was a beneficiary, and you were concerned that they uh, might die and give their assets to that no-good son-in-law or daughter-in-law? Do you want to make sure your grandchildren are taken care of? Because mm-hmm. they may give everything to the spouse, uh, and they that spouse who, even if they were good, they just get remarried, and the assets could go to a new family that you don't even know. Mm-hmm. So the question is, do you want to think about what the situation is now, or do you want to plan for what things that are bad that could occur in the future and what those bad things may be? Well, then you just put those, plug those type of things in that you're concerned about in your estate planning. It makes perfect sense. Um, I couldn't agree more. Expect the unexpected. You know, you could be driving down the street and get T-boned. Who knows what's (laughs) going to happen there? Um, But anything is possible. just towards the end of the year, which is just a week or so ago, a week or two ago, um, they got the man who murdered those girls in Idaho from my hometown. Just crazy. All the way back in Pennsylvania. Go figure. My best friend, one of my attorney friends, he went to the same high school as this kid went. Who would have known? Barbara Walters died. The Pope died. You just don't know what's going to happen. And all three happen on December 30th. So prepare. Um, talk to an attorney. I strongly recommend it be Michael. Attend his next workshop. Um, and that is scheduled for January 24th, which is Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Um, and then you'll get a lot of these questions answered. Michael, uh, one minute left for final thoughts on Wilson Oh, my Trust. goodness. Well, I want to just say on trust, you avoid probate. You avoid guardianship. Uh, you don't have to go through the court process. You make your own decisions. You don't leave it up to having to make sure that the will was con- compliant with Texas law. Mm-hmm. You just, I mean, you always have a pour over will just in case, a, a will that says everything goes to the trust. But a trust avoids, if you want to make it simpler for the family, then a trust may be something considered besides privacy, if you have property out of state, if you have an ongoing business. There's lots of different reasons why a trust might be beneficial because you don't have to have the delays of court and have to have court approval. So a a trust is uh, uh, better in a lot of other situations Mm -hmm. than a will, but it doesn't mean that your situation, that's your situation. Mm -hmm. And so everybody has to make their own choices What's best for them? It's just that they, it's just, you know, it's kind of like you're at Baskin Robbins and there's 32 different flavors and you just don't know what some of the flavors taste like. Mm -hmm. You just need to know what those flavors are so you can make a decision of which of those choices is best. Personally, I like Jamocha Almond Fudge, but (laughs) (laughs) so. Choose Michael. Um, Michael listens. You'll see that at the workshop. You'll see that at the vision meeting. This is why he should be your attorney. I strongly recommend, if not admonish that you consider him and attend the next workshop on January the 24th, which is a Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.